Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. If you listen to Locked On Kentucky on a regular basis, you're going to get info on the Cats that you just won't get anywhere else. We are going to start talking about uh, football. you got the Stoops addressing the Florida State job. you got Lynn Bowden and his bulletin board material for Louisville. Uh, there was something going on with Cash Daniel at halftime. Talk about that. A few other things on football. And then we'll get into basketball. Of course, Kentucky beat Lamar on Sunday. Tyrese Maxey went off. Nick Richards dominated again. So we'll talk about basketball in both the second and third segments. We're recording this on Sunday night. Kyle just got home from Rupp Arena. Uh, let's let's start with football first, Kyle. Well, uh, one over-under I was way off on that we picked on Friday <laughs> was Lynn Bowden passing over 150 yards. He, he had nine yards passing. Uh, he only attempted six passes. Um, he did he completed th- one. He, he chucked a couple deep balls. I mean, he threw one that, like, by itself, if he'd hit the guy, it was going to be like a 60-yard touchdown. Um, and showed good arm on it. Um, but that's the story with him so far. Yeah. Yeah, Lynn I mean, Bowden, it's just as a deep ball passer, he can get it there, but he can't get it near the target. He's yeah, he's inaccurate. just yeah, he's not dialed in at all. But he had yet another hundred yard game. In my mind, essentially, he all six games he's been at quarterback, he's been over a hundred yards because he had yeah. a couple called back against Georgia uh, and still had ninety nine. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's one. It's just a statistical yeah. thing. And, yeah. and so, you know, the numbers are just outrageous. Uh, you know, he's like, I think he's at like 850 rushing yards just since he's been at quarterback. Uh, but for the season, he's now at 951 yards rushing. Yeah, he's getting 1,000. Which is crazy because, like, he didn't, he barely ran the ball before he became quarterback. So for half the season, five, five of the 11 games so far, he had like, 100 rushing yards less um and you know so he's now sixth in the s seventh in the sec in rushing yards Unreal. (laughs) as a that's just amazing to me and he leads the sec the toughest league in the country to to run in uh with 7.3 yards per carry he leads the league (laughs) um he was again ridiculous he broke another couple big runs um, that was the other thing I was going to look at, um, long rushing plays. Let me look at this. Well, while um, you're looking that up, I'll tell you, he, he put himself in uh, rare air. He and Randall Cobb are now the only, he joins Randall Cobb as the only other Wildcat with a thousand career yards in receiving, rushing and kickoff returns. Yeah, and, that's, <laughs> that's Stoop said after the game, if he's not the Paul Horning award winner this year, then just get rid of the award. Just throw it away. Don't give it out anymore. Because you're doing it wrong. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he is now th- uh, fourth in the SEC in runs of 10 yards or longer. He has 34 runs of 10 yards or longer. That is, that's just, yeah. when he's, you know it's coming. Yeah, he's, <laughs> and he's second in the SEC in runs of 20 yards or longer. He has 12 of those. Um, mm. Six rushes of 30-plus yards. Uh, two runs over four over 50 yards. I mean, he's... 
he's been pretty remarkable. And then just, uh, you know, in total, Kentucky rushes for 400 and what was it? 462 school record, six touchdowns, average 10 yards, 10.3 yards a carry. A 68-year-old school record. I mean, Bear Bryant was the coach when they set that record. So, like they were, you know, again, this is UT Martin, and we should say the score 50 to 7. It was a total domination. It yeah. was, uh, UT Martin didn't score until the fourth quarter. Um, but, and it was a, it was a, a route from the start. UT Martin had the worst start a team could have. They, <laughs> they had a, they had a, a botch snap for a safety, a botch snap that they, the worst of recovery attempt in history. Yeah. Uh, that Kentucky pounces on for a touchdown, so it's nine nothing right out of the way. And then I believe Kentucky's first play from scrimmage goes sixty three yards for a touchdown. Right. Uh, yeah. And bang so it, bang bang. Yeah. In five minutes, it was it was sixteen to nothing. But uh, but this rushing thing, they were so dominant running the ball against this team, and we kind of predicted that that they would. Uh, that a, a freshman who. Uh, whose first carry of the game, I think he'd only had one or two carries for the year, Travis Tisdale, guy we mentioned. Right. Who's a burner. He goes 53 yards on his first first carry. Uh, and then a guy I can, I fully admit I didn't know was even on the team. I didn't either. Tyler Markray. Never heard of Walk him. on. Uh, goes 45 yards for a touchdown. Um, so, and uh, there's six touchdowns, five different players Scored yeah. rushing touchdowns. Uh, Lynn Bowden had, Bowden had two of them, 11 carries for 129 yards. Uh, I, I think what the takeaway from that game to me was how often have we seen Kentucky, even in the recent years when they've been good, sort of play with their food when it comes to these games that mm-hmm. they, should just, they yeah. should just demolish somebody, and they finally just demolished somebody. Um, and I think that's kind of the perfect note that you want to strike if you're Stoops and, and company going into this rivalry game against Louisville. Yeah, I agree. It gives them some momentum. They they whipped a bad Vanderbilt team, and they whipped a FCS opponent. The way you see, like, when Auburn's playing Western Carolina or Alabama's playing, you know, Alabama A&M or whatever, you know, that yep. – that doesn't always happen for Kentucky because I heard some complaints. You know, some people. I, I did radio this morning and the TV tonight, and then I've heard, well, it was against UT Martin and it was against Vandy, and they only beat Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, but you've, do you not follow Kentucky football? Where have you been? I mean, did you just join the fan base last year? I mean, this team yeah. has historically just laid an egg or made it close or nail biters. I mean, Western Kentucky University, uh, Ohio University, Austin P. a few years ago, EKU recently. I mean, this stuff is should be the norm, but the other thing turns out to usually be the norm with Kentucky football. So to go out there and hold a team to 10 total yards of offense in the first half, negative uh, 45 rushing in the first half, negative 12 yards rushing for the game, uh, they had, did, did UT Martin, had 10 possessions in the first half. One of those drives was longer than three plays. Nine of them were for three plays. The other drive was for four plays. Four of those drives resulted in negative yardage. Uh, and Kentucky had a season high six sacks and 11 tackles for a loss. And now Calvin Taylor is was, tied for the gonna, SEC lead. <laughs> I was going to say, we, 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 we yep. mentioned that last week, that he had a chance to do it. And... With a, a sack and a half in that game, 
he, he, Anthony Jennings of Alabama, and Marlon Davidson of Auburn all tied for the SEC lead with seven and a half sacks. Um, so he's Remarkable. got a chance, got a chance yeah. to lead the SEC. That'd be two years in a row, uh, and and two years in a row with guys that were basically two star. Nobody mm-hmm. offered them recruits. Yeah, Monmouth, you know, wanted, uh, coming wanted up Josh and, Allen, and who wanted Calvin Taylor? I don't know. I don't know anybody. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure. But Stoops uh, said it this week. I mean, I think it was last night. I guess Saturday night. He said something like, "Yeah, he was he was a complete project." Um, <laughs> Uh, completely to see where he is, but we should address you know Mark Stoops. So he he was asked after the game, you know, what do you want to say to the fans about the twenty four seven Sports report that you met with Cincinnati? And he said he wouldn't get into specifics, which told me he definitely met with Cincinnati. And then he said, you know, my heart's at Kentucky, and I um, this is where I want to be. And and then he revealed the real reason he had to do something is to keep this recruiting class. He had to answer the recruits, and I think we know Stoops character to be an honest guy. He he's not he's not the kind of guy that's gonna sneak out on those recruits. He's just not. He's he's the kind of guy that it was bothering him. He needed to he needed to resolve this. And so I mean you know according to an anonymous source uh to twenty four seven sports that report, the the way it went is basically Stoops was told, you're not our number one choice, but we would like to have you in the mix. Uh, this is what we would offer you. Um, you know, if if something were to happen and this were to work out, would you be interested for this kind of money? And he went, no. That's what they basically said. That that sounds plausible to me. I mean, I, yeah. I would certainly not think he'd be at the top of their list just because I think they're at a point in their their program where they need to hit a home run from a from a PR perspective. And I don't know that, even though I think Stoops would be a great hire for them and a lot of programs. Um, I don't know that that you know excites people on day one the way that they're they're trying to to do. Um, right. I, that may be short sighted because I think they've excited people on day one and it not worked out in the past. But and a lot of people have. But it, it's big for Kentucky. You know this win against UT Martin. We knew we kind of it was a foregone conclusion. But it, now that it's official, they are officially going to a bowl game for the fourth straight year. And Mark Stoops joins Rich Brooks as the only coaches in Kentucky history to get a get the team to four straight bowl games, and and because we know what how they're set up for next year to be even better than this year, right? Um, maybe significantly better. I would guess they're going bowling again, and if they do that, he'll be the first coach ever at Kentucky to get a team to five straight bowl games. And uh, you know, say what you want about his imperfect game day coaching decisions and I think that's fair uh on the whole Mark Stoops is about as good as Kentucky will ever have uh, as a, a football coach because he's he's done things that people just haven't done here yeah and this year he's keep... going to a bowl game where he's played basically the last nine games of the season without a real quarterback yeah too, too many times you know Kentucky is looked at like um a stepping stool for someone because you're not going to get the big name of an established coach. It's very hard to get uh, someone uh, that they've tried, swung and missed at trying to get a Bill Parcells uh, to come here. But what has happened is the ones that might be a stepping stone, uh, they don't do well. <laughs> and then right. uh, so, so they, they don't go anywhere. So to be able to keep stoops when you've got some of the best success you've had uh, historically, I, I think it's, I think it's big, but 
Uh, apparently, he wasn't off of the job anyway, officially. So, uh, again, that's that's what the report said. Uh, we got to take a break. We're, we're past due for that. Uh, we still, we'll, we will come back and hit on Lynn Bowden and, and Cash Daniel since we teased that. We will definitely uh, come back and hit on that before we get into basketball. And we'll do that when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. Let me tell you about Roman. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. If you can't visit Roman right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash offers. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And we teased that we would uh, uh, talk about Lynn Bowden and what he said uh, about Louisville and then also uh, Cash Daniels. So let's start with Lynn Bowden. And, you know, he was asked post-game uh, right on TV about, uh, about Louisville and said, we don't say that name around here. And then afterward with the local media, uh, he was asked again, and Brian Milam from, from Channel 27, and the guy I work with on Fox on, on Friday nights, he said Louisville twice, and Lynn stopped him first, says, who? And then he tried to <laughs> answer the question again. He said, who? And so finally Brian caught on and said, that school, you know, to the West. And so he, he's made it a point to not say their name. Uh, and then he came on and said something along the lines of, uh, it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Browns. Somebody egged him on and said, are you the Steelers? He goes, oh, yeah, we're the Steelers in that scenario for sure. That's, yeah, we're the Steelers. And then he was asked if he had a message for the Louisville fans, and he said, uh, just stay where you are. Don't be trying to jump on our bandwagon. <laughs> I don't think they are right now. No, because Louisville fans are pretty. <laughs> Louisville fans are pretty excited, and rightfully so. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I, I think there's – I think this is a pretty compelling rivalry game, all things considered. You know, Absolutely. Because you know, this is a chance for Satterfield to really send a punctuation mark message about his first season. Like, yeah. here comes Louisville. Because I think, it's, I think it's already been solidified as the biggest turnaround of the year in college football to go from uh, two wins to, uh, what, seven? They got a chance to get eight. That's only the second uh, time know. in ACC history that a school has gone zero and eight to five and three in one season in the conference. Gosh, that's and you know let's let's be clear, the league is terrible. The mm-hmm. ACC is really bad this year, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, Louisville lost to some bad teams last year, um, right. and so the turnaround is really really impressive. Um, you know, and they they're got, doing historic things this year. Like some of their numbers and uh, offensively are are historic. Yeah, First I mean they. They put 41 points on Boston College, scored 62 at Wake Forest, uh, 34 against North Carolina on the road, or NC State on the road, and then 56 against Syracuse this last week. That They have a pretty potent um, offense now. Satterfield, that yeah. was, you know, he, he did remarkable things at App State. Uh, they got a freshman running back, Javion, I think that's how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Javion uh, Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah who's run for almost 1,300 yards this season. That's the uh, school record for a freshman. He's, um, he he's, went for 233 against Syracuse. And he's you know, 5.8 yards a carry. Um, he's, he's legit. Uh, their yeah. quarterback accounted for six touchdowns Saturday. 
Mm -hmm. uh, this Hawkins kid, he ran for 122 yards in his first game against Notre Dame. Uh, 123 against Eastern Kentucky, 172 against Boston College, 129 against Clemson, 136 yeah. against a, a good Virginia team, and 233 against Syracuse. I mean, he's he's legit. He, he's he's over 100 yards against Notre Dame, Boston College, Cle, uh, Clemson, and Virginia and Syracuse. I mean, all viable you know teams with a pulse, uh, and so. Uh, that's going to be a challenge for Kentucky, and you know the game's going to be a challenge for Kentucky. This is this is not at all a pushover, no. and, and you know it tells you it it tells you um, just how bad Bobby Petrino was last year, just how much he kind of just tanked because these are the same players by and large. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously Hawkins is not, but these are mostly the same players that Satterfield and his staff have gotten to play much harder and much better. So you know, I, I don't, I don't think this will be an easy one for Kentucky. It won't shock me if Louisville wins, and I, I think it's, it's a dangerous game for Stoops because he can win it and be, and I think really have in the year where the fan base feels like the program's in a great, uh, on a great trajectory because you weathered the storm of this quarterback stuff. You weathered losing all those superstars to the NFL last season off your best team ever. Um, and you still have a chance to go to a bowl win eight. I think every and you beat your rival again. I think everybody sort of dances out of this football season happy yeah, if you win. Absolutely. If you lose, then people go, "Who did you even beat?" You know, we went, you went to a bowl game, but who did you even beat? And then you say, "And now the first year coach at this school that was two and ten last year down the road has already beaten you in your stadium." You know, and and he's announced here he comes you know he goes eight and four in his first season off a two and ten season you know uh uh-oh I I think so I I think this is a this is a actually a pretty significant game for for Kentucky and Louisville and I already get the sense from from some Kentucky fans you know through social media and doing radio um, that they've been worried about Louisville for a couple weeks now like to the point of you know Lynn Bowden we can't beat we can't beat Louisville with Lynn Bowden and that game style, yeah. that, that style of play. We can't do it. We need to get a quarterback ready because Louisville's putting up points. Have you seen how many points they're putting up? Are we going to be able to stop that? So that's an intriguing matchup because Louisville has, you know, played a Clemson and a Notre Dame. But, you know, Kentucky's defense is awfully good here, especially lately. Uh, you know, that, that defense is not something they see, definitely not out of Syracuse and not that they're used to seeing. But Kentucky has – I don't know that Kentucky's seen anyone with that kind of, you know, offensive firepower. Uh, so th- that challenge right there. And then uh, Louisville's not seen a team that can pound you and just hit you in the mouth the way Kentucky has become uh, and done to po- opponents recently. So I, I, those two styles, those matchups are just so contrasting that this makes it such a, a great matchup and really, I think, something uh, entertaining for us on Saturday. Yeah, Louisville's now number two in the ACC in scoring offense and 20, yeah. top twenty-five nationally. So yeah. um, we need to get some basketball. But I, I guess you wanted to you wanted to to uh, give us yeah, we, give us what you know about Cash Daniel. Yeah. So because I got I've seen people a lot of people ask about this and wonder. So because he was on the sideline for the second half, not in uniform, and and Dick Gabriel, who does the radio, said that you know Cash is not out here and it's not medical. 
So once he made the clarification that it's not medical, then they go, meh, 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 what right. is it? What, what has he done? Uh, so, you know, there's been some speculation and stuff, but the, the official word from UK is that uh, there's nothing to it. That Cash knew he wasn't playing in the second half because uh, the coaches said, look, our, our starting defensive line is not going to play in the second half. We're going to go with these young guys, and they did. Uh, you know, that there's evidence to back that up. Uh, but uh, why he came out not in his uniform uh, was because he, according to the UK, he asked if he could get out of his wet clothes and put on some dry ones and hang out on the sideline uh, since he knew he wasn't going to play. So, so there's the there's where I could see people are going, hmm, yeah, that's curious. But I'm just telling you that I talked to UK about it and they said, I'm telling you, there's nothing to it, and um, and so that's that. That's the story there. I don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but everybody else that they knew wasn't going to play in the second half didn't right. change into their street clothes. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I'm sorry if I don't buy that, but I don't buy it. So, yeah. Uh, well, uh, we'll leave honest, it at that. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we better take a break because we uh, we've we've eaten this all up. I know we promised more basketball, but uh, we we ate it up with football there. So next, we will talk basketball here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, Kyle, finally basketball. On a night when Kentucky plays, um, you know, we're doing this on Sunday night. On a night they play and and look really good, uh, we wait to the third segment <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if they lost, we would have made it. That's yes. Kyle would say we would have made that the lead. No, but that, they did what they were supposed to do. Um, and I was te- as I was telling you before um, – before we started recording, my takeaway is kind of um, when they have the whole, when they have their whole available roster and Tyrese Maxey's hitting shots, they're a really good team. Uh, they've had that three times this season where Tyrese Maxey was making shots or 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 pretty good, uh, and they had everybody on the floor uh, save Dante Allen, but we knew he wasn't going to play going into the season. But they had EJ, they had Emmanuel quickly, uh, and they beat Michigan State in one of those games. And then they had a run where they didn't have everybody, and Maxi wasn't playing well. And now in these last two, that they're back together, and they've won two blowouts against teams that they uh, should blow out, 20-plus point victories. They won by 25 tonight, 81-56 against Lamar, a team that Cal has said should be one of his best shooting teams but hadn't been. Hits 10 of 22 threes, which is perfect, you know, kind yeah. of the perfect amount and the perfect number of makes. If you, I mean, if they hit 10 threes... Not many people are going to beat them. Um, and so I think when this team is healthy and they have time to be together, and again, when their best player talent-wise, Tyrese Maxey, is, is on and, and kind of in rhythm and all that, um, they're really good. They are one of the best teams in the country in that situation. Um, it, reminds you, it reminds me, anyway, of you know when Malik Monk or when you had Kevin Knox. When, if those guys were on... Uh, it was a different team. Yeah. But, of course, they – yeah, go ahead. No, I, I think that's right. Um, Max, he was 21 points, best game he's had since the Garden. Um, you know, we were talking about this, too, coming on. You were asking me, what what, what was the specifics on once it was tied? Because Kentucky got out to this great start, up 15-2, to two, and they kind of fell asleep at the wheel, and all of a sudden it's 19-19. And you go, oh, here we go again, another one of these, you know, they let a let a lesser opponent hang around. 
But from the from the time it was 19 all over the next four minutes and change, Tyrese Maxey hit four consecutive three pointers. Hmm. Um, so scores 12 points in four minutes, <laughs> and if he, they go from 19 all to uh, that that ignited I think a 20 to nothing run for Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, they got up as many as 25 in the second half, or maybe more than that, but uh, 27. 27, 27 yeah. in the second half. Um, you know, Maxie ends up 21 points, 8 of 11 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, a couple steal, a block and a steal. Uh, he looked great. That was I, I thought they kind of – Cal kind of just said, like, let it fly. Uh, it felt like because I think he, he's talked about Maxie thinking too much and Maxie admitted as much afterwards. And so I think they wanted him just to play free, and he looked good doing it. Um, and then the other, to me, the other big storyline is just like I think we can buy Nick Richards as a as a changed man. Now, will he put up right. these same numbers against better competition? Maybe not, but I think he's going to be a viable player for them all year. I do um, because he played a lot of bad teams in the past over his first two years and didn't do what he's doing now. He had one double-double in his first 75 career games at Kentucky. He's now had three double-doubles in the last five games at Kentucky. Tonight he had 10 points, 13 rebounds, and the big number, seven block shots. Um, he's, he's been so much better. And that just knowing they have one guy at least, and Montgomery didn't do a ton tonight, but he did block three shots, um, you know, but to have at least one guy they can count on in Nick Richards down low is huge. Um, so, you know, those things. And then Ashton Hagen's just being, to me, in total command of this team. Yeah. F- 15 yeah. points, nine assists, a couple more steals. Again, he's now made, I think, 22 consecutive free throws. He's shooting 90% from the free throw line. Um, yeah, I think all, th- those are those are the things I've taken away from the last couple games, really, that Hagens and Richards have both just been great for two or three games in a row. And then if they got Maxie on, they're tough to beat. Yeah, you know, same thing with Nick Richards. You don't know if that will um, continue to translate once the competition gets stiffer uh, because you just haven't seen him um, like this before. But, you know, a good indicator is, uh, you look at other guys who have had at least three double-doubles in the team's first six games of a the season. They're Patrick Patterson, Terrence Jones, and Julius Randle in the Calipari era. That's pretty so good Nick, company, yeah. Right. So Nick Richards jumps in that category. And uh, you look at his numbers You know, through um, the six games, uh, he's averaging 30 minutes a game, which is, you know, Calipari says it's a little too much. I, I don't need to play him that much. But in those 32 minutes, he's averaging – you know, eight rebounds, 14 points, second leading score on the team, playing the second most minutes, uh, 15 block shots. And, of course, he had seven, you know, Sunday night. But I, I'm i with you. I, I think you can start to buy him a little bit because the more he does this, the better he's going to be at it. He's just going to continue that confidence. You know, basketball is so much about confidence, and that seems to have been holding him back yes. this whole time is his confidence and comfort level. And what Calipari always preaches, I mean, if one one of his key phrases, demonstrated performance, and yep. that is definitely happening for Nick Richards. Yeah, I mean, the last, just take out the opener, which I thought he played great in because he, he had barely practiced. He, he sprained his ankle badly, rolled it eight days before the Michigan State game. Nobody thought he was going to play. Then he does play. He comes off the bench. He gives him 25 minutes on a bad ankle. 
plays great defense. You know, doesn't put up big numbers, but gave him a lot. Uh, but since then, since he's basically been healthy again, the last five games, he's averaged 15.4 points, nine rebounds, and three blocks, and he's only yeah. committed 10 fouls in those five games. Yeah, so it's two per game. That's a big stat, that he's he's managed not to foul people. He's not just, like, clumsily bulldozing people. You know, he's not just doing stupid things. There's so many times over the last couple of years where you go, like, why even, why even do that? Like, what, <laughs> yeah. what were you even going to gain from that? I really do think we're seeing a guy who is learning how to play basketball. He's um, running the floor, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he played hard all night tonight. There, there were rebounds. He got 13 rebounds, and he probably fought, like legitimately was just putting his butt on somebody and trying his damnedest to get a rebound probably five or six more times. That they just the, the bounce, you know, it cleared him. But um, I thought he worked harder probably than anybody tonight, and, and that that's pretty significant to me. Whether, again, who knows what the numbers do – as, as they go forward, but he's going to be a major piece of the team that I think they're going to be able to count on more often than not to give them something. Uh, and, I, and I wouldn't have predicted that with any certainty before what I've seen these through these first six games, but I'm impressed by him. One of the interesting comments I heard from Calipari after the game was that the roles are defined a lot earlier than he's had in the past, and Nick Richards is part of that. Ashton Higgins, I think, is part of that. Uh, E.J. Montgomery and Emmanuel quickly, all the guys that are returning, uh, and then Tyrese Maxey fits into that. Like he and, and Nate Sestina, kind of because he said, "Don't be what you're trying to live up to, be what you are." Um, and so it, it it feels like these roles are uh, where, where I mean, you you know who's doing what and who should be doing what uh, pretty early on this team. So now it's just a matter of of getting that all to work. Khalil Whitney, we're not sure where he fits in just yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think one one kind of concerning thing is Nate Sestina's not, he's kind of regressed a little bit and fallen back. I think he's lost some confidence a lot yeah. because his defense has really struggled. Uh, and that was the guy Cal referenced, you know, be who you are, not what you're trying to live up to. And one of the things he said tonight, and it's kind of been harping on, is he can't wait to get out of this stretch where they're playing a bunch of games in a short short amount of time. They're about to get into the kind of once a week rhythm, and they're going to have some. They're going to be able to have Camp Cal, and they're going to be able to have a bunch of practice days in between games where he can really teach. And this this is that time of year where they make Cal Perry teams make a big jump because all these freshmen can kind of go through training camp 2.0. Um, the other thing we're, we're probably about to run out of time here, but the other thing I did want to hit on is, and, and one of the reasons I've said not to maybe panic on the three-point shooting, they've been so good at free-throw shooting, and that has continued. I, this is ridiculous. The, Emmanuel Quickly is at 92%. Ashton Hagen's at 90.6%. Nate Sestina, 89.5%. Tyrese Maxey, 86.7%. And Nick Richards, 76.2% from the free-throw line all with at least 20 attempts um, yeah, from the free throw line. They're a great free throw shooting team. Um, and that's one that indicates that these guys can shoot and will be able to shoot, um, you know, jump shoot as this season goes on. Um, and also this is, this, I mean, how many times has it been kind of a bugaboo uh, for Calipari's teams at the end of a season? So 
uh, I think really encouraging that they're all really all your, I mean, those are all your, kind of your main players that are yeah. uh, really a good, uh, shooting it at a good clip. And I mean, Ashton Hagen's uh, hitting 22 in a row and Cal Perry talking about, uh, you know, I have total confidence in him stepping at the line. Yeah. That, that's big to have your, your three guards in particular that are going to have a chance to have the ball in their hand at the end of postseason games quickly, uh, quickly Hagen's and Maxie all being over 87% at the free yeah. throw line is, is just invaluable. Well, for Sestina, we'll just close with this. Um, if he, I don't know his, his status with girlfriend, like if he has one back for, at Bucknell and it's like a long-distance relationship where he has one now here where he doesn't have one at all, but he needs to make sure he has a girlfriend during this this part of the season here as it, it goes through because that can help him with the confidence and kind of get him back up <laughs> to keep him from feeling like he's just worthless out there. That's your field. advice? I mean, That's I think, advice, I, think yeah. he, I think if he, I think if he uh, took a survey of the, the female population of the crowd, he'd probably feel yeah, better be about fine. himself. Uh, I've, well, let I've, me tell you, he's not finding lateral quickness anywhere. I mean, that's not just going to come to him. No, you know I mean? no, he's going to have so. to maximize what he's what he's working right. with. <laughs> I think one of the things we'll talk more about it. I think one of the things they've got to use him. What he's good at, he, you know, get him get run offense to get him open shots because uh, he's a great shooter as a as a, a four man. So um, plenty plenty more time this week to talk basketball, and also we'll we'll set the stage for this huge rivalry football game. Yeah, the uh, all week long. Cup. We got Stoops is going to talk on Monday. I think Satterfield talks on Monday. There's a ton of talk about, especially for you fans that listen to us on a regular basis, listen to this podcast on a regular basis, who don't know a ton about Louisville. Uh, we can we can definitely give you some info on them to uh, to scare you a little bit. <laughs> now, listen. Uh, you can follow um, me on Twitter at d r i e f f e r, and Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore a t h. Subscribe to Locked on Kentucky wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends that, uh, that you love it. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs>